Welcome to Eat Blog Talk, where food bloggers come to get their fill of the latest tips, tricks, and insight into the world of food blogging. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll provide you with the tools you need to add value to your blog, and we'll also ensure you're taking care of yourself because food blogging is a demanding job. Now, please welcome your host, Megan Porta. Food bloggers, hey, if you have not yet joined the new amazing Eat Blog Talk community, you have to go do it. You will find so much value inside, including connecting with other food bloggers in a much deeper way and having access to all kinds of exclusive value, such as bonus podcast episodes and mastermind groups and a resources and service providers directory and so much more. Go to eatblogtalk.com for more information and we cannot wait to see you inside. Okay, food bloggers, have you heard of Flowdesk, the new big email marketing rage? This is an amazing new option for managing your email subscriber list. It is super easy to use and it comes with gorgeous, intuitive drag and drop templates. And Flowdesk does not charge based on number of subscribers. So your monthly rate will stay the same from month to month. Everyone pays $38 a month or use my affiliate link to get 50% off and pay only $19 a month. You guys, this is a fraction of the price of other email service providers, and you'll be blown away by the beautiful and intuitive templates waiting for you inside. Visit eatblogtalk.com forward slash resources to grab your link. Flowdesk, the stunning new option for email marketing. The episode you are listening to today is a replay of an episode published earlier this year titled 20 Ways Self-Care Can Help Grow Your Business. Within the Eat Blog Talk community, we are putting a focus on self-care this month, November 2020. So be sure to sign up at the member level to get access to all of the self-care goodies we've created for you. Self-care is one of my personal passions, and I so strongly believe that it is the key to finding greater success with your business. Go to eblogtalk.com to join the community at the member level so you don't miss out on any of this great content. On to the episode. I hope you enjoy the replay. Today, let's chat a little bit about self-care. One of the main reasons I started this podcast was because with all of the things on our plates at any given moment, I see such a need for us food bloggers to be taking good care of ourselves. I think there's a typical mold that food bloggers fall into, and I don't mean to stereotype or generalize here at all, but if you stand the test of time with food blogging, that means that you are a certain type of person. You are most likely all of the following. You are driven, hardworking, creative, and determined. Being all of those things is great. It's what allows you to create incredible, valuable content and do all of the many things that food bloggers do day in and day out, week in and week out, month after month and year after year. However, this can also mean that you are an individual prone to pushing yourself too far and too much, which also makes you prone to burnout. I have reached that dreaded burnout stage a handful of times in my blogging journey, and it is not a good place to be. The first and worst time I experienced it, it almost took me out. I just about lost my sanity over it, and I also almost left food blogging entirely. It's actually a small miracle that I did not leave. 
Thankfully, I've never quite gotten back to that place again, but I have come close. I come close a few times a year, and it's really hard for me to admit that because I preach self-care so passionately, and I so strongly believe that it is a super valuable piece of the equation. But it's just proof that we are all works in progress. I'm certainly not perfect with it, and I am always striving to be way better in this area. When it comes to my work, I push myself, you guys, hard. And I know you are probably the same exact way. For me, pushing myself has not changed over the years. The only thing that has changed is that now I know the precursors to burnout. And when I start noticing certain things about the way my mind and body are working or not working, I know to take a big step back until I can come back to a normal-ish baseline But even this, I do realize, is not an ideal way to live. And this is why I so badly want to get to a place where I don't even need to see those precursors. Here's a really cool thing about self-care and food blogging. Not only is self-care important for me and you, like for our actual minds and bodies, it also plays a vital role in the success of our businesses because the better we are taking care of ourselves, the more successful our businesses will be. I'm going to say that again because it's so important. The better we are taking care of ourselves, the more successful our businesses will be. The more creativity will flow through our content, the more money we will make, the clearer our visions will be, and the more productive we will be. So this isn't just about taking care of our minds and bodies. It's about taking care of our businesses as well. I know, trust me, I know it is so tempting to skip over taking care of us in order to hustle for the sake of our businesses, but as counterintuitive as it may seem, our businesses will be so much better off when we place a focus on us. I've put together a little list for me and you, for all of us, and I hope this helps us all to take better care of ourselves so that we can thrive and also so our businesses can thrive. I will talk you through the list now, but I also turn this into a file, kind of a graphic that you can grab in the show notes at eatblogtalk.com forward slash self-care. Number one, schedule self-care and white space into your calendar daily and weekly. Every single day, we should be making time to care for ourselves in some way, even if it's just 10 to 15 minutes a day. My personal favorite self-care tasks that I schedule into my calendar include sitting down with a cozy blanket and a good book, taking a nap, sitting on my deck with a cup of hot coffee, or taking a walk by myself around my neighborhood at dusk or anytime really. A few other ideas that might resonate with you, play with a pet, take a drive and crank up the tunes, or do yoga or meditate. Whatever your preferred form of self-care is, it should be the first thing that gets put into your calendar every week, and it should be scheduled daily. Not only is this a sure way to make sure you do it, I also see it as being a statement you're putting out into the universe. By making it a priority and putting it into your calendar before anything else, you are making the statement that you are important, not in a narcissistic way, but in an I need to take care of me in order to operate sort of way. Don't get tripped up on excuses with this because that's so easy to do. If you want to make time for something in your life, you can make time for it. And self-care is something you need to make time for. 
Number two, speaking of time, nail time management. Time management is a biggie with food bloggers because of all the different things we have to juggle. If you can figure out how to manage your time efficiently, space will open up before your eyes so you have more time to focus on you. I could spend literally 10 podcast episodes talking about this topic alone, so I will not dive into this any further. But a good place to start is to listen to episode 58 titled Time, Your Most Powerful Secret Weapon. Number three, declutter your mind and your life. This is closely related to the last point because when you start spending your time more efficiently, you are also decluttering your life just as an automatic byproduct. I have an analogy I love using to illustrate this concept of decluttering. Think of your smartphone. If you set your phone on low power mode in order to preserve battery power, it reduces those tasks that go on in the background that you have no idea are actually even happening. They're invisibly using up the phone's energy, so minimizing or eliminating those background tasks allows the battery to focus on just what needs to be done. That is the tasks you tell it to do. So the battery lasts much longer. The same concept applies to you. If you have clutter filling your mind, so worry, discontent, fear, stress, anxiety, etc., then you are not optimally using your energy on the things you actually need to be focusing on, like taking care of yourself. If you're wondering where to start with decluttering, just start taking care of those things that are taking up unnecessary mental space. If there's a relationship that is causing you strife, fix the strife. If your days are filled with little frustrations like having a constant sink full of dishes or a room full of dirty laundry, put some habits and systems in motion that eliminate these stressors. Number four, make sleep a priority. This is an obvious one, but one that gets overlooked nonetheless. While I make plenty of space in my life for sleep, I do not always sleep well. I often wake up in the middle of the night thinking about work of all things. My brain is always ready to troubleshoot my most recent work obstacle at 3 a.m. of all times. Also around that time is when my brain, for some reason, wants to start mentally assembling my next cooking or baking creation or figuring out which big project I want to tackle next. I hate that I do this, but I do this. And it's something I'm constantly trying to improve. Whatever your personal sleep issue might be, do your best to correct it because as we all know, we are so much more capable and productive and clear-headed and able to make good decisions when we are well-rested. Number five, remove resistance from your life whenever possible. I cringe every time I see that quote about the path of least resistance leading to failure or however that goes. I mean, I think we should all expect resistance in our businesses and just lives in general on some level and that we should persevere through it to reach our goals. But there are so many instances when resistance can easily be removed from our lives in order to make things easier. If I have a choice between riding my bike into a strong headwind or riding my bike with the wind blowing steadily at my back, I am going to choose the option that involves the wind blowing at my back. We don't have the option to make this choice in all situations. Yes, I get that, but sometimes we do. And when we do, we should choose less resistance. By removing unnecessary resistance from your life, you open up space to take care of yourself. So what exactly does this look like specifically with food blogging? 
Delegate and automate whenever you can. Streamline your workflows. Remove unnecessary junk from your plate. Learn keyboard shortcuts. Learn how to be faster with certain applications. Take advantage of people or services that will save you time like grocery delivery or outsourcing your undesired work. Number six, exercise and diet. Here's another glaringly obvious one. If you can nail diet and exercise, so many other things fall into place on the self-care spectrum. But it's also one of the hardest things to conquer because we are busy and working out isn't always super fun. And we're food bloggers. We love food. We love cooking and baking and we love eating. So putting the right things into our mouths requires diligence and intentionality and exercising regularly requires discipline. But once you have this piece of the puzzle figured out, everything else gets so much easier. I am much more likely to take care of myself when I'm making good choices about what I put into my body and when I'm exercising regularly. Number seven, protect your time. I separated this from point number two because time management is an entirely different beast than being a time protector. Protecting your time fiercely is more about saying no to the wrong things. And when you get really good at doing this, you'll build confidence and you will find clarity about the importance of taking better care of yourself. How do we become better time protectors? Here are a few tips for you. Figure out exactly what you need to be working on and do that work. Figure out exactly what you need to do in order to be healthy mentally and physically and do those things. Say no to distractions. Know and believe that nobody is going to protect your time for you. You have to do it and it has to be a priority for you. Number eight, carve out time for creativity daily. For some reason, this is one of the most difficult points for me personally, even though there are such massive rewards in the self-care arena that come bursting forth every time I allow myself to enter that creative world, I do not regularly make time for this. When I do though, I notice that I feel extra filled up. It's like self-care on steroids. Creativity works magic on my soul. Here are a few ideas for creative outlets cooking, baking, kill two birds with one stone there because you're also knocking out some work, painting, knitting, crocheting, journaling, or playing with your kids. This is actually one of my favorite tricks of all time. Every single time I spend quality time with my boys, I end up tapping into their kid magic that always elicits creativity. Number nine, make a list of those things that bring you complete joy and schedule them into your life on a regular basis. I have this list on the notes app on my phone and on my computer of all the things that bring me joy. I call it my joy list. A few of the things on my list include being outside in the early morning just after the sun has risen or in the evening right before the sun sets. Staring out into an ocean while salt water splashes around my feet, lying in a hammock on a warm summer evening, wrapping my arms tightly around one of my boys and just cherishing being in the moment with them, traveling in our RV in the summer, holding hands with my husband, the smell of freshly cut grass, staring into a crackling fire, feeling a cool breeze blow in through my windows, crisp, cool fall air, the smell of a rainstorm coming, 
vacation with my family. Now, obviously, I can't schedule all of these things into my daily life regularly, but some I can. I refer to this list on days when life is just tough and I'm struggling to find peace. I figure out a way to incorporate even just one of my personal joys into my day. And this is such a good way to make sure that I'm taking care of myself even on those rough days. Number 10, draw a well-defined line between work and life. I'm definitely one who needs boundaries drawn for myself, which is why I do so well with keeping stringent weekly calendars. I follow through when things are very clear. For example, tomorrow I'll be writing blog post copy about how to make goulash in the Instant Pot from 8 to 9.30 a.m. And I will be editing those photos from 9.30 to 11 a.m. and so on. If you operate in a similar way, then consider being strict about separating work time and life time. I love something that Carly from Cooking with Carly mentioned in episode 77. She declares a no phone zone every single day from 4 to 7 p.m. No exceptions. She draws a line that separates work from family, which is just another way that she's taking care of herself. Consider making a similar rule for yourself, and I promise that you will soon notice a decrease in stress. Number 11, make time for loved ones away from home. As much as most of us love working from home, it can end up leading to feelings of isolation if we're not careful. Listen to episode 73 where Lynette from Cleverly Simple gives us solid advice about ways to combat this. I see the act of stepping away from home to intentionally spend time with loved ones as a huge display of self-care. This is how it typically goes for me. I plan a lunch date with a friend or even my husband, and when it comes time to leave the house for it, I'm feeling put out and mildly annoyed, but after filling my spirit up with people I love being with and talking to, I am so glad I got out of the house and made it happen. Number 12, create a morning routine that involves only you. I'm confident that if you ask any mom on the planet who has young kids how their mornings typically go, most of them would reply with, mornings are crazy. Mornings are by default stressful because everyone has needs in the morning. Making sure our bodies and teeth are clean enough to show in public, eating breakfast, finding clean clothes to wear, preparing lunches for the day. Moms are really good about diving into the day hungry and exhausted and not filled up because we are taking care of everyone else's needs and completely ignoring our own. When we proactively figure out a way to take care of ourselves before taking care of anyone else, serious magic happens. It's like the oxygen masks on airplanes, right? Don't even think about helping anyone else with their mask until you have a steady stream of oxygen flowing into your own nostrils. Give the following a try for one week and I promise you'll feel like a new woman or man by the end of the week. Get out of bed 30 minutes before anyone else in the house and sit quietly with your thoughts. Pray, meditate, journal, exercise, do whatever will fill you up the most. So when the rest of your family hops out of bed, you will be ready for all of it. It's so hard to part with that 30 minutes of sleep. I totally get that. But the sanity you will save yourself is so worth it. Number 13, plan and schedule your work so you know it's coming. On those weeks when I don't schedule my work ahead of time, those are the weeks when I feel like I'm wandering around lost and confused 
and I neglect my own needs on weeks like this 100% of the time. When I know what's coming with work tasks, it opens up mental space for me to take better care of me. This point is closely tied to number three, which is decluttering your life, because mental clutter breeds chaos every single time and without fail. Planning and scheduling your work creates self-care space. Number 14, nature and sunshine. This one is short and sweet and very simple. Another one of my little self-care tricks is forcing myself outside on those days when I know I just need to show myself a little more love. Nature and sunshine work wonders on my spirit, even when it's cold and gloomy in the middle of the winter. Number 15, avoid isolation. I talked about this briefly in point 11, but food blogging is isolating and this can make unhealthy mental states a reality for us, unfortunately. I'm going to run through just a few of the points Lynette brought up in episode 73 regarding ways to avoid feeling isolated. Consider joining a co-working space, join a mastermind group that meets regularly, attend conferences, be intentional about leaving your home regularly, volunteer, and find a trusted friend who will hold you accountable with all of this or whatever you decide to do. Making sure you are not isolating yourself is a great way to take care of yourself. Number 16, make sure you are working on the right things. I worked on so many wrong things in my business literally for years at a time. And during those um, stretches, my first eight years of blogging, that is, I was spinning my wheels constantly and I was running myself ragged and totally unable to care for myself properly because I was freaking exhausted and I didn't even have wild success to help ease the pain. So learn from my mistakes and make sure you are working on the absolute right things before you work yourself to death. How do you do this? Well, just keep listening to Eat Blog Talk and we will tell you what you need to be paying attention to. Number 17, unplug from technology and or social media. This is one of my favorite self-care tips because it's the easiest to employ now, like today, this very minute, you can do this one. Set technology or just social media aside for a period of time. The amount of time your break is will vary depending on your personal situation, Whether it's a three-hour chunk of time or 24 hours or a week or a month, your break will positively affect your mental well-being. Technology is great and social media is great, but an overdose of these things can make us feel horrible about ourselves. And for me, I just get to a point where I feel almost strung out and unproductive. Number 18, practice mindfulness. Finding that place where you can live in the present moment eliminates so much stress and worry, but it is not an easy thing to do. We're so accustomed to having constantly racing thoughts, and it's our default to worry and stress and fret and overanalyze every single thing. When I first started practicing mindfulness, I had no idea where to start with it because I was on the complete opposite end of the spectrum. But I think a good place to start is just start noticing things in each moment. Take note of the world around you as much as you can, even the minutest of details. The more you do this, the easier it will become. And building your mindfulness muscle will eventually reduce stress and anxiety, which will inevitably free up space to take better care of you. 
Number 19, ditch the guilt. Oh, guilt is the worst. Am I right? I hate guilt. And I feel it so often, it seems, totally involuntarily, as if it's just hardwired into the woman mom DNA. I feel guilty about the time I spend working. And I also feel guilty about the time I spend not working. I feel guilt about the lack of time I spend with my husband and my friends and also how few family dinners we sit down for each week. I mean, seriously, I could go on and on with this, but I'm going to stop there. The truth is, though, I'm doing my best given my current situation. And so are you. We all are. It's completely pointless to feel guilty about things, anything, and it takes up unnecessary space in our heads. Also, guilt attracts behaviors that breed guilt. So the bottom line is stop the guilt. It's so easy to say that, right? This lecture is as much for me as it is for you, by the way. But have grace with yourself. When I stop and really think about a situation that I'm feeling guilty about, it helps me so much. An example of this is our lack of family dinners. My guilt over this topic was off the charts for years, like more than a decade. We sit down as a family and eat dinner together only a couple times a week. When I dissected this, though, it bothered me only because I hear so often from others how important it is to come together as a family once a day. And in a typical family, I think the dinner table is the likely place to do that. But my husband and I make daily time for togetherness with our boys in other ways. We spend time together as a family in the mornings, chatting, asking about the day ahead, preparing breakfast, recounting dreams, etc. And we also spend quality time together every evening, although not necessarily at the dinner table. We do things like play chess, blare the speakers in our house and dance or enjoy the latest Marvel movie together. We make a lot of really quality time for each other on a regular basis. And once I clearly saw this, I was able to ditch that guilt about not eating dinner as a family every night. So if there is something that consistently brings up those guilty feelings for you, work through the why until you can bring yourself to a better place. Because I know you need to hear this. You are doing your very best given your unique circumstances. And I truly believe that. Removing guilt from your life will lighten your mental load and give you an automatic dose of self-love. Number 20, the last beautiful point, sit with silence. Oh, silence, how I long for quiet. It's so elusive, isn't it? Sitting with silence is one of my most cherished things in the world. When we take family vacations, my husband and I do this thing where we find the absolute most quiet, peaceful place nearby. And then we take turns going to that place alone. And we just allow time to sit and absorb whatever beauty surrounds us. And we appreciate the silence. This is one of my favorite things about going on vacation because in our normal everyday life, it's so much more difficult to make the time to sit with silence like this. There is such power in it, though, because it completely invigorates me and fills me up in a way that nothing else does. So I encourage you to find slices of quiet time in your days and sit with them. Just sit. That's all you have to do. It's like a silent tank of love just filling you up slowly. 
That is all for my self-care list. This list is meant to spark ideas for you, food bloggers. It's not a list you should feel like you need to tackle all at once. If you're looking for ways to work on loving yourself a little bit more, pick one of these points and give it your full attention and effort before digging into another. Perfection is definitely not the idea. Just getting started is the idea. Self-care is a massively important piece of the puzzle when it comes to being a well-adjusted human and also a successful food blogger. If you want to watch your business take off in a whole new way, and I know you do because that's why you're listening, put intentional effort into taking better care of yourself. For visual reminders about ways you can do this, feel free to download and print the document in the show notes for this episode. You can find that at eatblogtalk.com forward slash self-care. I say print this off, tape it to your bathroom mirror, put it on your computer, do whatever you need to do to remind yourself that self-care is very important. All right, food bloggers, here is to taking better care of ourselves in 2020. Thank you so much for listening. You are amazing. I will catch you next time. We're glad you could join us on this episode of Eat Blog Talk. For more resources based on today's discussion, as well as show notes and an opportunity to be on a future episode of the show, be sure to head to eatblogtalk.com. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll be here to feed you on Eat Blog Talk.